Hello, and thank you for downloading this week's edition of Power Bombs and Potables on the Podcast Potables Network, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Process Potables. For pro wrestling news and talk, follow us on Twitter at PowerBombsPPN. For news, info, and breweries we've worked with, and so much more, check out www.processpotables.com. Well, tonight was Money in the Bank 2020, and me and Joe of the Super Smart Brothers break the whole thing down for you on tonight's special edition of Power Bombs and Potables. Welcome to this week's edition of Power Bombs and Potable special Money in the Bank recap uh, edition of the show. Of course, you heard us this past Friday night. Me and uh, Dan, Pod Daddy, were uh, boozing on a Friday night, but here we are. It's Sunday night. We just got finished watching uh, Money in the Bank 2020, and I am joined by uh, a special guest, probably my longest friend on the face of the earth, and co-host. Uh, the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast, Joe Sheehan. Welcome to Power Bombs and Potables, my friend. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm disappointed I missed the boozing session, though. Uh, well, it's uh, we got done early. This show actually <laughs> went off the... It is 9.43. The show got off the air 20 minutes ago, and I'm still boozing myself. So uh, the fact- I, I was very excited at this, yeah. Well, swig a beer for um, the podcasting guy, because... Yeah. Well, usually I don't drink this much on a Sunday, but I've been drinking since four o'clock once I got that keg delivered to my house. So what are you gonna do? Quarantine times. That's uh the the, the way that we're living. Yeah, you don't have to worry about driving at all. You're good. <laughs> so, Joe, as I said, you're you're part of a podcast on your own, Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh yeah. with uh your 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 tag team partner there is, is Michael Newman. <laughs> uh tell us yep. about tell us about the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast and how when you guys usually drop this show. Yeah, we drop it about every other week, and it's usually we mainly just do lead-ups to pay-per-views right now, because especially these shows have been so boring without crowds. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's might, uh, Newman and I have been friends since college. That's how we actually became friends, was literally watching wrestling together. And it's just no frills. We just go over what we think of the matches and what we think is going to happen in the future. Super simple. That's really what you know. we try and do here. Uh, obviously, I'm... Unfortunately, deemed the task of, of watching a lot of these shows every week, and I can I can get through the equivalent of twelve hours of wrestling and recap at most weeks in an hour or less, which shows you how how rough it's been. We actually started oh, man, yeah. we started this show. The first episode was, I believe, the very first week of quarantine wrestling, which would not have been my ideal plan, but that's. That's just the way that things worked out, and we're making the most of it. I have we're, we have fun episodes like I did Friday night with with Dan, which went extremely long. Uh, but as you know, well, the, anytime you get drinking involved, it extends a podcast greatly. Right, but also when you get a second voice on there, 
as you know from having a partner yourself, when once yeah. you start getting opinions, then you start going back and forth, and it makes for a great banner, and and it's good, and I, I'm I am a fan of that. Uh, but with especially with these times, talking about weekly wrestling, sometimes I just I just want to get through it and be like, hey, mm-hmm. you don't have to watch this crap. Just listen to me. I'll tell you what. If there's anything you should watch, I will tell you to go out of your way. And my podcast plus whatever you need to watch will take maybe an hour and fifteen minutes out of your week. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so for for those of you who who don't know, like I said, me and Joe are uh, friends since probably the fourth grade. Uh, me yep. and Joe used to uh, I, we would I guess you would refer to it as tape trade. I would yeah. I, I would record Literally. I would record Monday Night Raw and then I would give him the tape and then he would record SmackDown. I think. If, is, was that right? Yeah, I got SmackDown. Yeah, because so I grew up in a. I was the youngest of five, so like we had one TV. Our family didn't have a lot of money, so one TV. So obviously, people aren't watching wrestling on the one TV on Monday nights. So you were able to get me raw, and then I had a little antenna in TV in my basement that I could record SmackDown on. That's the time that, that, that that's what happened in two thousand two thousand one. It wasn't now where oh, I could just pull it up on my phone and watch it there or DVR it exactly or. It's, that that was what it was. So yeah, I, I would tape it and I would give you the tape and and then uh, the only pay per view that I would ever order would be WrestleMania. So you know, but if I would get yeah. WrestleMania, I would get I would I would give it and I'd give you the copy of that. And and we we and then we, it, didn't I was just gonna say that and it, it built up. We then we had like Dan and Steve and all come in and we started doing these big thing parties for at least WrestleMania, uh, where we got like wings from Dom's and stuff like that. Yeah, eventually, eventually, probably about. Uh, I mean, so we're talking. You and me started doing these tape trades, probably like two thousand one, two thousand two, somewhere in around that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and probably about two thousand four, two thousand five. It was almost almost every month we would get together with with uh, Dan and Steve of Process Potables, and we would we would basically we'd put our money together, and then we would get some kind of junk food, and we would watch it, and we did that for the most part, for the better part of almost. The next, you know, eight or nine years or so. I was gonna say a decade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once the network came out, it made it a lot easier for us to just say, "Uh, eh, all right, well, you watch it on your own, and I'll text you for it." Because you know, ten dollars <laughs> exactly. a month is about about what I was putting in to watch it with a bunch of people. So if I can watch it at home, if it's a crap card, then you know, might as well. We'll still get together even today and watch yeah, some of the yeah, bigger pay per views. We'll, we'll do the manias together and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. But, uh, you know, especially with the network, it really makes, uh, it makes watching shows so much easier. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate for the network as I feel most people Mm -hmm. are. So, uh, Joe, first question being that this is power bombs and potables. Did you have any, uh, any potables while you were watching this pay-per-view tonight? Absolutely. I had some, uh, yard filthy ale. It's their, uh, uh, unfiltered IPA. Well, you're doing better than me. I, I got a. A sixto keg of Michelob Ultra, and uh, well, that's pretty much all I've been drinking, mainly because I've been trying to mess with the CO2 levels. I just got a kegerator, and this is the first beer I put on there, so really just trying to mess with the CO2 level, so I keep pouring myself a pint glass all day, and then, well, I'm not going to waste the pint glass, so I just have been consistently drinking beer since about 4 o'clock. But so I, Corey, now you, now you know what it's like to be me. You just did science. You you changed something, tried it, changed something. Tried it. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, I promise though that that this this podcast will be actually coherent on my end. So uh, <laughs> we're working towards that. So you are you ready to dive into this? Yeah, absolutely. Now, real quick question: Have did you watch any of the TV this week for for uh, Raw or SmackDown? I mean, 
I just do clips. I, I run through and uh, I get the main stuff, like the main stories and things like that. So I'll either I'll either DVR it or um, watch like a Hulu clip version of something. Gotcha. So I mean, I watched Monday Night Raw. A lot of it was was just it was fast forward forwardable, and right. I didn't. Yeah, that's did. why. It's just good. I didn't even watch SmackDown. Me and Dan uh, recorded this week's episode Friday night while SmackDown was taking place. And the only thing that really came out of that leads me into the match that was on the pre-show of this. It's Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro, which this match was the sake of for these two having a match. They've done a whole buildup for a couple weeks now of Sheamus and Jeff Hardy, where Sheamus, I guess, is starting to... That Jeff Hardy's being talked about and not him. Right. So then this these two have a confrontation Friday night on SmackDown, and Jeff Hardy gets the best of Sheamus. All right. So just common sense and WWE logic says to me that Sheamus is somehow going to show up on this pay per view, but he doesn't. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I missed the pre show, but that was my one prediction. I was like, all right, whatever happens in this match. Sheamus should at least come out and no, this set up ma- the match. This match was completely clean. <laughs> Jeff Hardy won with the Swanton Bomb. No Sheamus <laughs> at all. So, I mean, logistically, it made no sense to me. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, so that exactly. You missed nothing. I missed nothing by not watching SmackDown. I felt if there would have been anything that would have made sense, it would have possibly been maybe uh, Sheamus getting some payback. Uh, maybe they wanted to stay away from that due to the fact that Cesaro and Sheamus uh, have that history as that team, and maybe they didn't want to plant seeds that they were doing that. But hey, there's a fucking bunch of other guys that they could have planted right into that seed and, and into that match, but they put Cesaro in. So that's basically the cards that they dealt themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know who you have available. So. Exactly. So we start the pay per view, the actual pay per view. SmackDown tag titles were on the yeah. line with the New Day versus the Lucha House Party versus Miz and Morrison versus the Forgotten Sons. Uh, on Friday night, I said that I thought that the Forgotten Sons were actually going to win this match because they're they're the only team that really hasn't. Well, one, I knew the Lucha House Party wasn't going to win this match. That was that was pretty much clear. Enough. Miz and Morrison, I feel like they need they're they're going to break them up sooner or later. And the the New Day, ever since their first reign, has pretty much just been a transitional champion. And the Forgotten Sons mm-hmm. are new, so I kind of by a process of elimination, kind of felt they were going to go with the direction of Forgotten Sons. But I mean, for what it's worth, this match, super fast pace, uh, a live crowd would have totally been eating it up. Like this was a quintessential yeah. opening match for a show. Every everything this would you have know, gotten the crowd absolutely riled up. Yeah. Right. I mean, Lucha House Party in there really helped with the pace of the energy of this match uh, because there's only so much that Kofi and Morrison can do as a team. Uh, but it was everything mm-hmm. that you'd expect uh, from this. Crash dives to the outside of the ring, almost everyone hitting their finishes. Uh, this, yeah. It was a great starter match. Uh, what was weird to me was near the end, they send Jackson Riker to the back when even the announcers argued that that it, there was n- it was a no DQ match, so why... Why was this even a thing? It played nothing into the end, which literally 30 seconds later, Big E hits the big ending and the New Day retain the titles. But when they do stuff like like each thing that you're going to do should have a consequence on something else. And for them to just send him to the back for no reason, and then even the announcers to have the confusion in it, for then having nothing to do with the ending just makes no sense to me whatsoever. It totally interrupted the momentum of this match. It was like, bam, 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 pause, and then the finish. 
And I was even sitting there going like, the fuck? Like, for, for a match that was was very, very fast paced and with a lot of stuff going on, uh, that the ending and just that last sequence really kind of fucked the whole match over for me, in, in my opinion. That's just that's yes. just unfortunately how it was. Uh, but I guess going forward, we're going to the only thing that makes sense is New Day and and the Forgotten Sons are going to continue their feud because at this point, uh, the New Day hasn't beaten the Forgotten Sons. The Forgotten Sons have a win on the New Day. So I'm I'm assuming going yeah. out of this, we'll we'll get that match, but we'll see, I guess, on TV where they go from here. Interesting after this. And I get, get, sorry, continue. I guess you could throw in Morrison and Miz. Like, uh, they, they technically weren't pinned here, but this has now been their second defeat. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, they... they, they, they they're just one team that, that's been truly hurt, I think, by the lack of an audience. They had one chance to bring in John Morrison back. John Morrison left years ago, and they they always held him to that mid-card level. And he's gone off, and he's pretty much been a main eventer in every other promotion he's been in, whether it be AAA, Impact, Impact. Lucha Underground. And they, they bring him back, and he even said that there was you know talk of them giving him new music, new video, and all this stuff. And they just put him right back with the Miz, which isn't even where he left off. The Miz and yeah. Morrison thing was 2008. He didn't even leave the WWE to what 2013, 12, something like that, somewhere in that. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're years past that. We're gonna we're going back. We're, we're setting the clock back before he even left, and it's over a decade on, now. And it's gone on way too long. Which is why I'm like, at this point, they should have dropped the belts. Kept these guys off TV a little bit, and then just bring back Morrison as his own thing. Let Miz go do his, uh, you know, new show where it looks like MXC or one of those other shows where they <laughs> get wet and do a bunch of stuff. Just keep him away. I, I, I don't hate Miz, but I don't like him and Morrison together in 2020. Mm-hmm. They're both on the back nine of their career at this point. Let's just let's let's just face it. They're, both of these guys are oh, knocking yeah, on the absolutely. door. They're knocking on the door of forty, and a guy like Miz, I think Miz is is round and third and on his way to home. I think he's only going to be around for another year or two, if you ask me. And Morrison's mm-hmm. probably got another three or four years before he decides to hang it up. And and these guys, you can do a lot more with them than than just this. Is is my yeah. opinion, and. uh the thing is you have to build them up more. And that's, I feel the reason, another reason why we got to later in the night with Bray Wyatt, once again, challenging Braun Strowman, because there's, there's nobody left to, to face the champions. And these are the corners that WWE has oh, absolutely. fucked themselves into. Have no heel. Right. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. Let's just keep moving on here. So up next, we get a, yeah. a, a, a Ma- an interview with Drew McIntyre. He's interviewed by Charlie. My biggest thing out of this whole thing. And I stopped Three sentences in, they keep forgetting to mention the fact they're like, oh, well, you haven't defended the title since you won it when you beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Uh, he fucking gets the big show. Thank you. Thank you. Literally, I just I <laughs> which, stopped. Which they bring up and, and they're breaking the kayfabe timeline of saying that it was moments after the mania defeat. And the main win that they he faced Big Show. They didn't even bring it up. Wasn't even mentioned. For what it's worth, that match was six thousand times better than the Brock match in the first place where he won the belt. So yeah, because yeah, it was actually competitive. <laughs> it's fascinating how like WWE likes to create their own narrative, but they try and 
make you forget about things that happened that were actually good. <sighs> Moving but on. They didn't mean for it to be good. That's why. <laughs> Up next, R Truth versus MVP in a match that was literally announced on social networking, I believe, yesterday morning. I woke up and saw that they had this match announced for yeah. the show. I saw that. I was like, I thought MVP was like just being a producer or something. I didn't realize he was wrestling still. MVP, this this story of this run is fascinating to me. He comes back in the Royal Rumble, then he wrestles Mysterio the next night on Raw and loses, and then announces that that was his last match, he's retiring. Since then, he has been used almost, it seems, every week in some way, shape, or fashion, uh, mainly in the MVP lounge, which is fine, it is yeah, what it is. But the great talker. Right, but... Didn't they just furlough all of these agents weeks ago? Yeah. And um, this new guy on the on the totem pole, MVP, they don't let him go. I'm guessing they didn't let him go because of this reason, because they can I, actually use him in more than one way. I guess he. it depends on the contract that he signed, right? If he signed a producer's contract, which is more of an employee, that's I'm, why they furloughed those guys. Yeah. So maybe if he's under a talent contract. Maybe, but I mean, like you look at guys like like Shane Helms, who he, he, IRS. I, well, I mean, guys like that makes oh, IRS. I guess you could say makes sense because he's not an on on screen character. Shane Helms yeah. can still go, and obviously, oh, you're saying if they could bring, oh yeah, they haven't gotten rid of Jeff Jarrett. They never got rid of Joseph Park or Chris Park or Abyss or whatever you want to call him, <laughs> whatever his name was. Well, I'm I'm just saying the thing is is yeah. if you look at all of their agents on a list, it's like, okay, well, we can get more bang for our buck essentially with MVP. And for what it's worth, all MVP had to do tonight, as you'll as we're gonna get to, is he just had to wear his tights and come to the ring because he ends up not actually wrestling in this match. And I'm gonna take nope. a step back here and I'm gonna say it's really weird having our truth wrapped to an empty arena. Yeah, I'm guessing that they could go with that. His character is like under the delusion that people are there. Um, I feel like it just went on longer than it usually does anyway. Oh yeah. And that's that kind of longer. Than and that's kind of why it was awkward to me because it just, it, it never yeah. seemed to end. And then after all that, he played to the empty arena. That was weird to me. Mm -hmm. Like my girlfriend looked at me twice as he was rapping and, uh, it just never seemed to end, and and that was just weird. She like was doing the the, the double takes to me, so that's kind of where even I was just like, yeah, I'm feeling the same thing as you. So these, so so MVP comes out and they argue back and forth before the match even starts for about a minute. Lashley's music hits. He comes out and tells MVP that he's got the night off. MVP says that's what's up. Truth says it's not fair, and he wants the night off too. Yeah. He then manages to slap Lashley in the face, then says he didn't mean to do it. On accident. Yeah. <laughs> Lashley makes quick work of him, hits him with a spear, which has been the theme if you watched Raw, and, and he gets the win. But all I could think about out of this entire situation was the possibility that we're finally going to get MVP and Lashley as as a team. 
Yes, because the, the announcers hinted at this. Did you hear? They were like, it looks like MVP had Bobby Lashley ready to go. Yeah, I heard that. And and it's one thing that I know not only myself, but so many people that have been talking about for a long time. I know a lot of people fell off the uh, the impact bandwagon within the last 10 years. And the one thing that they will always bring up is how good of a team uh, the beatdown clan was, the BDC, when yeah. MVP was the mouthpiece and Lashley was his his heater there. And that was a great mm-hmm. combination. Because obviously we Absolutely. know that Lashley's not a great talker, but <laughs> no. that's where MVP comes in. So I think yep. that maybe they're finally going to get to that. It's just a goddamn shame that the internet gets these ideas. Well, not even they, these ideas. They see something that worked on a smaller scale. You'd think that WWE is the type of company that would say, hey, we're going to just take this and make it better. And they they don't. like they, they hesitate for the longest time. And then by the time you get to it, it's just like, all right, well, you've, you've fucking buried Lashley for the last uh, you know, 16 months. Now you're going to do something mm-hmm. with him. Nobody fucking cares at that point. And you have to do more work and- to make him credible again. Nobody's watching at this point either, right? Yeah, that's so it. now you have to rely on the word of mouth to get out. That's another thing in amongst itself. So next we get the announcement that Backlash is coming back as a pay-per-view. I'm pretty sure Backlash has been one of the quote-unquote retired pay-per-views for a couple of years now. And they're bringing yeah, I guess. Back- the last one I can remember, I'm sure there's been others, the last one I can remember is the Goldberg Rock one. I mean, they, they've brought it back since then. There are yeah. other years. Um, obviously, I don't have uh, the... I mean, I could, but I'm trying to trying to flow this broadcast uh, yeah. you know, as nicely as I can to, to look that up. But uh, at June 14th, we're going to get another pay-per-view. Obviously, at this point, there's no, no doubt that it's going to be at the Performance Center. But, but it seems like they're leaving like that, that option up. They're like... It's happening June tenth, and that's it. No, no telling of where it is and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's okay. But what are they? What are they going to do? Is is the world going to open up in the next three weeks, and then come no. June sixth, they're going to say, "All right, guys, we're running a show at friggin' Nassau Coliseum. Tickets are on sale now. Buy them in the next week." It's just, yeah. it's just not possible. That's not happening because. June is when all the other sports are talking about opening up, and that's going to be behind closed doors. So Right. So I'm assuming this match will happen on uh, the Performance Center empty arena grounds again, and we'll just they're going to play this out. Already, the uh, city of Boston announced that they've canceled everything, everything through Labor Day. So SummerSlam is going to have to move somewhere. That, that came out Friday. <laughs> but WWE has yet to make an announcement of that. And which kind of also kills my my original plan of saying, well, you can't do WrestleMania in uh, Tampa. Why don't you just get a, a Foxborough or wherever in New England Stadium and just move it there and have SummerSlam <laughs> be there WrestleMania? Yeah. Uh, up next, we get Bailey versus Tamina for the SmackDown Women's Title. They stop Bailey and Sasha on the way to the ring. They ask Sasha if she uh, was blamed by Bailey for her loss. On SmackDown Friday, and Bailey says no. Of course, after afterwards, the announcer said that it would have been nice to let Sasha speak for herself. Sasha kind of gives this look like she wanted to speak. Annoyed look, like, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on the Sasha Bailey situation? I've spoken my thoughts on it before, 
And I really feel that no matter what, like, I don't want Bailey to turn face again. I like the heel Bailey as much as people hate it, but Sasha's just not a baby face. Sasha needs to be a heel. So, but the only, the, the only thing that the, the, the obvious choice here is that Sasha's going to eventually play the baby in this role. And I think it's just going to be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think exactly that that's where they're going with it. And I hate it, but, uh, I think it's just, they're, they're, they're playing this out too long, right? Like this has been going on for months now. Are Sasha and Bailey going to break up? And like, it's still just the same thing over and over and over again. Well, I mean, what's funny about this is that for, for something like pro wrestling in 2020, it's one of those things where they're like, you take a storyline from 1990 that may have gone nine months and it's played out mm-hmm. in about 40 days in today's modern time. Yeah. If you recall, they, when they were having the quote unquote breakup angle, it almost seemed like a, like a freaking lesbian angle. That was, Oh my two, God. Yeah. <laughs> that was 2000 and I mean, pull back the curtain here because you know, you, you and me are friends. This was when I went to new Orleans for, so that was 2018 in the summer. So that was like yeah, June of that, 2018. I remember sitting in, yeah, in an Airbnb watching this on my iPad that night, watching that raw. And I was just like, well, this is weird. I mean, <laughs> like it's kind of cool, but this is weird. Uh, but that was two years ago. And then they'd done the incarnations cause Sasha got hurt. And then they, they, they did all these different moves and now they brought them back and they turned them heel and then they started slowly planting the seeds. And I've been saying for a while, the common sense thing is that they're building up to the Savage Hogan mega powers explode situation. And these two are going to eventually erupt. And then it's going to come, you know, head to head for the belt. My problems with this were two things. And I said this, I think actually on the very first episode of Power Bombs and Potables is that one, Bailey won the belt last June. So, mm-hmm. if you actually take this to next WrestleMania, she will have had the belt for almost two years. That's problem number one. Problem number, which I mean, I'm okay with a long title reign, but there's not a lot of women to go. It's not like the NXT women's division, for what it's worth. Like, yeah. there's, the NXT is literally lining up women for Charlotte Flair. On SmackDown, it's just like, well, who She's do we have? basically gone through everybody, yeah. Who do we have? <laughs> well... Tamina. Tamina. So, and and we, you still have another year to get there. So that's why I was kind of just like, I guess you're going to only get to SummerSlam with this. Because eventually, like I said, you're going to have to have the Sasha turn. It's just a matter of when you're going to get it. And I like the slow build because they're going to do it the way that they did the Savage and Hogan thing, where it's going to be a lot of little steps along the way. And you'll eventually make it there. And then the crowd's going to, well, there's the problem. There's no crowd. This whole <laughs> this whole storyline is built on a turn that needs a crowd for the entire yeah, story to be the story that it needs to be. And they've put so much time and money into it at this point. You kind of got to let it get where it needs to be. Like I, I could even see them maybe doing a spot where Bailey loses the belt and then maybe Sasha wins it. Or Sasha helps Bailey get it back eventually, and then you can go back at it. But they need to do something to break this up for a little bit, in my opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just been Sasha screws something up and Bailey loses, or like something along those lines for months now. Yeah, I mean, so to to break down this match, really, uh, they did a good job with selling the the leg of Tamina. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even at one point, she went for a super kick and she was selling her leg, yeah. and Bailey caught her and hooked her with a leg bar. Uh, there was th- this match ends with uh, Bailey pretty much rolling. Well, she rolled out of a Samoan drop into a crucifix, essentially, and pinned Tamina. But then somehow Tamina still ended up with her on her shoulder, and then stood up after the match was done and went for a Samoan drop. And that's when Sasha yeah. came in and gave her a chop block. And it was just like, oh, um, well, okay, that I, I guess that that's it. And that yeah, I thought I was like, oh, are they going to build up to a rematch for Tamina? She's going to like get the heat back on Bailey, but no. And what I've been saying this whole time is that through this whole, and that's another thing I left out, is through this whole scenario, what's in my opinion is going to happen is that Sasha is going to keep having to take the fall for Bailey. So if there's a match or something like that, Sasha's going to lose those matches because of something that Bailey did, or Bailey's not going to help her. But then. Bailey's always going to somehow get the upper advantage and help because of Sasha, which is going to help really heighten this more because it's definitely one-sided here. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, two matches left on this card already. Uh, up next, we get the Universal Championship. Well, actually, I lied. Three matches. Up next, we get the Universal yeah. Championship <laughs> match. Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. So, and specifically, Bray Wyatt, not The Fiend. Well, I was going to say this. Literally, while this, while the matches are taking place, I will take my notes live. Now, while the video package was playing, I honestly thought to myself, how strange is The Fiend going to be with no crowd? It's a fear-driven character, and this whole story is that Braun isn't afraid of him. So that's just a really weird disconnect for me. And then it ends up being Bray. So I felt better about that. Because at least Bray has a character, and and you can see facials of him that way. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's the problem I've always had with Bray Wyatt is that he's 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 great outside of the ring. Today they posted uh, he did the bump the the WWE Network or yeah, the online, online show. show. Yeah, they did a vignette with him doing the Muscle Man today. It might be the greatest thing I've ever seen him do. I have to check that out. I retweeted it this morning on our Twitter at Powerbombs and Potables. Go out of your way. It is maybe the best three and a half minutes of video that you will see this year. That's I'm gonna leave it at that. Oh, I'll give you a teaser. At one point, Bray Wyatt is playing DDR. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that. So, um, this match it ends up being basically Bray, you know, hits Sister Abigail a couple of times. Strowman kicks out, and then you can see Bray sitting in the ring by himself, and he's saying, "I know, I know." Basically, he's like arguing with the personalities going on in his head. I kind of yeah. dig that because he's arguing with the fiend that's in his head, but he says that he can control that. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, Braun emerges. From the the floor, and they kind of did the shot like Vince at WrestleMania 19 when he's just covered in blood and he slowly yeah. comes up. Please. 
Yeah, but creeps up over the apron. In this situation, there's no blood, but Braun's wearing the black sheep mask. He enters the ring, gets on his knees with Bray, and the two hug, and anybody with you know two brain cells could see that this wasn't they, these two embracing, that Braun was going that direction. Uh, mm. Braun, Braun pushes him away, takes the mask off, and steps on it, then hits a power slam and pins him. This match yeah. did absolutely nothing for anyone, all right? At <laughs> least, at least it was Bray that lost this match and not The Fiend, but, but I think that that was their thing. It was like, well, well, we fucked ourselves in this corner once again. We'll just, oh, well, he beat, the, he beat Bray Wyatt, but he didn't beat The Fiend, so The Fiend is safe. It's like, if you remember, and here was perfect, perfect example. Bray Wyatt, as Bray Wyatt wrestled, Daniel Bryan, a couple months back, I believe, on pay-per-view. Am I right on that? Yeah. yeah. And that was where I was like, oh, here's where he's going to lose it because it wasn't The Fiend. And he was kind of almost as, like, you know, untouchable as The Fiend in that match. With Like, he didn't want to fight Br- uh, Daniel Bryan at first, but then, like, he eventually snapped. And I was like, okay, well, so obviously it's within him. But again, WWE wants to control the narrative, so they're just going to control the fact that, oh, well, he got beat here. I Again, this match is absolutely nothing for anybody. Uh, as I think I, it was a transition match. It was just to get a championship defended on this pay-per-view because now it's going to be The Fiend versus Strowman at the next pay-per-view. Which is even worse. Dear Lord. And that that's the, that's the thing here. I, I, I don't know who... My thing was, as I said, when Braun won the belt, I was like, I'm okay with this. You give him one, maybe two matches as a face, you turn him heel. He's the biggest guy you got. He is the biggest guy, and he is a monster. Literally, his gimmick is that he's a monster. He is a fucking monster. Yeah. So so play into that. Play into that and make him the untouchable monster that the baby faces essentially have to slay. It works yeah. almost every time. And when you have a roster full of Daniel Bryans and people like that, like people will get behind a Daniel Bryan Braun Strowman match because Daniel Bryan will make it believable. So mm-hmm. you have whereas right they have no heel to go up against monster babyface exactly. Strowman. So if you turn him as the champion into the heel, you have so much more to work with on the SmackDown side. Swig of beer. That's just my take on that. So. I want to move on here. We get another <laughs> one of these fucking hacker promos. Do you even care about this fucking hacker? They're, they keep saying it's going to be Ali. Do you think it's going to be Ali? Is that what it's? Is that set in stone? You think? Like, what are your thoughts? No, because apparently the the previous versions of this, uh, the videos and stuff, had like Ali's symbol in it, but I didn't see that anywhere in this one. So I have no idea if it was originally supposed to be Ali, and now they switched their minds. I mean, either way, to me, it's just a steaming hot pile of garbage because yeah because he's like he's supposed to be like watching the private lives of the wrestlers but all it is is like interviews that they've done like or it's it's, like like one of the screens is like from the the car ride show from this network yeah it's it's really rough to watch i mean for what it's worth sammy callahan right now is literally doing uh, if you remember back when he came to nxt and he was yeah, he was he was a hacker he was a hacker And that didn't work out, and he left. He's literally doing 
the hacker gimmick now as Sammy Callahan in Impact. But you can definitely mm-hmm. tell that because it's Impact and he has more of a creative input, like this is what he had envisioned for it. I know that when mm-hmm. he was there, Solomon Crow, Dusty was very into the character and had a lot of potential for it. So this is definitely from the mind of what he wanted to do. And he's probably essentially going to do this way better than whatever they're going to do with this character. I I hate it. I don't like it. Like there's, I like reality based wrestling. And even like I said, with Sammy Callahan, Sammy Callahan's a fucking nut job. So I'll believe anything that he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I I absolutely hate and this. It looks so cheesy. It looks so cheesy. Right, exactly. The only the difference between the two companies is WWE has the budget, but they've been just dragging this out forever. Now, mm. originally, like they did something like this years ago with the GTV thing, and it was supposed to be Gold Dust and 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 your payoff, but you never got it. But that was also like the camera would be there for things that you weren't supposed to see. Well, the only thing that you haven't really supposed to be have seen was the whole Mandy Otis thing. And I feel like that kind of just fell yeah. on their lap. So what else has this guy done to really embarrass anybody to really make it be that people want to know who this is, that anybody's going to have yeah. it. Cause eventually with the, the purpose of this payoff is going to be that somebody's going to have a vendetta against something that this person has done. So you need more things to pay off to eventually have people needing a reason to want to fight this guy. That's just my take. Am I wrong? No, you're right. And but the and like the format that they're in now doesn't play well into that, right? Like we don't have an audience there, so you can't do these backstage skits that make as much sense as when, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, two matches left. Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Seth Rollins. So it's only eight twenty here, and we're on to the last <laughs> match. So th- this uh, just. This match blew the rest of the matches away on this card. Oh, this is a great match. This was the point where I just stopped being able to take notes, and I just really wanted to watch this match. Uh, and I said on our Twitter, at PowerBombsPPN, uh, that most matches since quarantine are only getting 10 to 15 minutes. There's so yeah. many times where I've been matches, wanting to, matches to get that push, that extra you know, 20 minutes. Uh, a lot of them, for what it's worth, have been Charlotte Flair matches that have only been getting... Uh, 11 and 13 minutes. Like I still can't get over sidebar mm-hmm. and, and we're not going to let you elaborate on this, but I'm just going to say that she got 13 minutes with Liv Morgan on Monday night in a non-title match. And then 11 minutes in a smudge finish in a title match against Io Shirai in a buildup match. I, <laughs> I, I hated that, but I wanted that match to at least get 20 minutes, but here we go. This match I felt would get at least 20 to 25. And it did these two Yeah, 20 minutes. This match was, was, awesome whether this was in front of a crowd or not these two would have had this exact same match and it's very hard to say that for anything else that has happened during this the timing the movement of both of these guys from spot to spot was just perfect Mm -hmm. they they they, was the perfect mix of the physicality and of the talking because sometimes like i thought sometimes in the bailey match there was too much talking and then this match was the perfect like it was yeah it was just great I mean, for what it's worth, Seth Rollins has always been great. He's been wrestling now for Seth Rollins has been wrestling for almost twenty years, and yeah. at this point, Drew Drew McIntyre's got probably about seventeen in him, and these guys have worked all over. So, for 
for what it's worth, they know how to work in front of, you know, small to nothing crowds. And they know how to work in front of 80,000 people as well. So these two have great timing. This match worked out really, really well. So it went all around. They were in the ring. They were outside of the ring. Big Mm -hmm. thing that I noticed, and I've been talking every week and praising the new character of Seth Rollins. He And tonight he was doing a lot of it. It was kind of almost almost Undertaker-esque where he would just flash and hit a really quick move and then he would just kind of stop and stand there and just like freeze and just slow and milk it. back down milk it. yeah i'm i'm really digging the the slowdown of seth rollins but then when he needs to he fires out and that's that's great for what he's doing also did you notice that seth rollins got new music tonight no i didn't holy crap dude nobody <laughs> noticed this i didn't even notice this either i was watching this live and i'm just scrolling through Twitter and then they're like, oh, did, did anybody else not notice it? So it was a, a common theme. I text Dan and Dan even said, nope, didn't recognize. And Dan was watching too. So the, it was kind of almost unnoticed, but the music really, really fits the character that he's going with. Now you don't have the, you know, the hardcore double bass that he's had, which I mean was, was cool. But something that I brought up this past week oh, with Johnny is it Gar- more like a churchy. Yes. Is it like, yeah. Oh, okay. I hear it now. Like, Right, but, but it, it just didn't click. Though. But just like this past week, Johnny Gargano got new music, which went with his heel persona. And I said, man, like so many people don't get this. Seth got this, and it, it really is is fitting into that darker, more methodical character that they have been building for him. And I absolutely love it. I'm not in any way, shape, or form a WWE sympathist, and I'm not even the biggest fan of Seth Rollins, but he's doing a good job with this. So I'm going to give credit where it's due. Um. This match, you know, for what it's worth, several near falls. A, a crowd would have ate this up. Eventually, McIntyre has yeah. a Claymore for the win. After the match, McIntyre puts his hand out to Rollins to shake his hand. The first thing I was thinking was like, ugh. Everybody keeps saying, man, the uh, the handshake's going to be dead from yeah. this COVID thing. <laughs> but, I mean, me being a brother, I want to just uh, shake everybody's that's hand. wearing a glove. That was the one thing I was going to say is he was wearing a glove. But <laughs> but in the end of the day, these guys are tested before they get in the building, I'm sure. And I like it because the thing is this. Rollins being a heel doesn't mean he has to be a fucking shithead all the time. He got beat and he shook his hand. And then you want to know what's going to happen? He's going to come out and cut a promo and basically say that he didn't get beat or something that he would do. I have true faith in Rollins. Tomorrow night, he's going to cut a promo and it's just... It'll be dropped. It'll be fine, and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Finally, we get to the Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, these matches, the women's Ooh. and the men's, they coincided. They happened at the exact same time from the WWE yep. headquarters. Personally, I could have done without the entrances. They did full entrances. It was so awkward. Yes, they did full entrances for everybody. But they had everybody stationed in two different places. So they were kind of staggering back and forth. The women were getting introduced in front of the elevators of the building. In the lobby, yeah. And the men were getting introduced in the gym. Gym. <laughs> Friggin' Otis w- w- took the cake with that with the sets and reps. Because he's in the gym. But it's... <laughs> It was just weird. Like I said, like if this match is supposed to start on the ground floor, I know that there's literally there's a parking building inside of this. Like they've shown this in several of the, the 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 untold and other documentaries they've done there. Yeah. 
start in the fucking parking lot. Be like, all right, we're going here. And like everybody's kind of circled and they start fighting and just work their way into the building and then work their way up. It was really yeah. kind of weird. It starts off with all the the women uh, introduced and then nobody knows where Asuka is. And then the, 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 the camera pans oh, out to a wide shot and there's Asuka standing off the balcony of the second floor and dives on everyone. Everybody dominoes down and then she runs into the the elevator and hits it. So common sense says, well, in the next two minutes, she's just going to make it to the roof and is going to get this this briefcase. No, apparently that, that elevator has the max floor. Of not the roof. So she like, like I'm just I, I don't even have full notes on this just based off of what happened. So she goes up this elevator. All the girls start running up the stairs. Yeah. You switch to the guys and they're they're fighting in the gym, whatever. And the mm-hmm. only thing that I took out of this that made no sense and I fucking hated Otis drops a, a barbell <laughs> yeah, full of it was fully racked. I'll give him that. But he drops it on, yeah. on AJ's chest. But like AJ AJ's acting like he's pinned. Literally, AJ could have limboed laying on the ground underneath the yeah. goddamn thing. Like there was nothing there that was keeping AJ from getting out from under it. And that was a little uh. I kind of felt maybe they should have done something more where like they were right next to the bench. Have him fight him down on the bench and then pin him with it on the bench where he's kind of just trapped there holding it. Something yeah. simple like that where he needs help, a spotter almost to get the weight off of him. And, yeah, and not have as much weight on it or something. So it looks like he's like holding it. So he's not like obviously choking on it or something like, yeah, I mean, and they did a good job. There was a couple spots where they, they did some, some crossing of the women and the men. Uh, the first thing that the guys are running down the hallway and Ray Mysterio just stops and you hear the flush, he the toilet. <laughs> you hear the flush and there's brother fucking love i popped so hard you and me are both huge <laughs> bruce pritchard fans and oh yeah anybody that you would have hoped to have made an appearance i was assuming we'd get a brother love appearance we got it and the only thing i was gonna say is man bruce you gotta you gotta get those roots dyed there brother because <laughs> it was <laughs> ja, ja, my girlfriend goes why is he so orange i'm like he's red god damn it he's fucking brother love <laughs> and uh that that was really all that was and it keeps going on. We get a spot with there's this weird. It looks like almost a spot that's set up for people that maybe visit there to take uh, photo ops. It's yeah, like it's a half like ring uh, against the wall. Yeah, to make, I think make it look like if you take a picture that you're in a ring. And we get a spot here. I mean, the the obvious spot that we get somebody dressed as Doink the Clown. And I asked Conrad Thompson if this was Alabama <laughs> Doink because I know that Alabama Doink didn't know, uh, is in existence. But I know that, um, god damn, friggin' Matt Bourne is dead, and the guy that played him after that, I don't remember his name, he was a friend of Bam Bam Bigelow's, it's it's slipping my mind now, he's dead. Yeah. So, that has to be Alabama Dorn. I'm just gonna stay with that, that's my theory, and I'm sticking <laughs> to it. We end up going into a room where the the girl, there's a Money in the Bank briefcase hanging, and it's full of money. Dana Brooke yeah. takes us off, and then she acts they- like... She, she actually, she's looking at the door, and it's clearly a video of Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, so it was, bad. it was bad, and she's just like, "What are you doing? This is a conference room. The real briefcase is no, on the Money in the Bank conference room." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our princess isn't at this castle, Mario. You got to go somewhere else. <laughs> and, and like, first thing I'm thinking is like, "Yo, there's like 
there's a lot of hundreds in that fucking thing. Like, I would just take that <laughs> son of a bitch and leave. Fuck it. Yeah. Probably more than Dana was getting paid for this. Right, exactly. Like, fucking good for you. Like, she's the real winner here. So, <laughs> next, next thing we see is we're in a room and Paul Heyman's got a food plate of food in front of him. Yeah. So, so Heyman's about to eat food. So, naturally, everybody comes into the, uh, into the room and, yeah, the, uh, men and the, the men and the women are both in here. And then Otis looks like he has a rollgasm. He like grabs his roll and he's just shaking and he's quivering and he's ripping this roll apart. And then at this point in time, they're just like, ah, oh, food fight. And I'm like, well, I'm fucking, of course, Vince food fight. So, yeah. so far we, yeah, we've, gotta, we've checked all the, WWE all the Vince, all the Vince things. We got potty humor. We got a food fight. And uh, the one thing that I took out of this is the Shayna Baszler throws a friggin' chokehold on Rey Mysterio. And it's like, yeah, all right, she's taller than Rey Mysterio. And <laughs> then they do a sandwich between Otis and Nia Jax of Rey Mysterio. Okay. And then everybody runs out of the room. Eventually, somehow, yeah. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles end up in Vince's office. They, they go in there, and I just see I see the giant dinosaur head, and I was like, oh, shit, they're in Vince's office. Like, you just know that, if you know anything about it, that you know that's Vince's office. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit, there's Vince. And it's funny, whatever. He tells them to get out. They, they fix the chairs. Oh. And the only, the only thing I took out of this was like, when was the last fucking time I saw Vince wearing jeans? Oh, he didn't even notice that. He was wearing blue jeans. He had a, he had a <laughs> tucked in button up with it with it with a sport coat on, but he was wearing it's blue gotta jeans. Be like, it, oh yeah, it's got to be like beyond the ring or something like that. Is the last time I saw beyond like, the, mat. the jeans so, beyond the mat. Yeah, yeah. So I found that that interesting, and um, and then of course he he was very safe. He can sanitize. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I mean, hey, it's getting old, pal. And so r- realistically, at this point, we now switch. And um, you know, Oscar should have should have gotten the briefcase like ten minutes ago. Like it was obvious. No, she's in the hallway being chased by the girls. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, Oscar's on the roof with Nia Jax, and Oscar yeah. ends and- up getting the the briefcase here. Does anybody else make yeah. it to the? Did Lacey Evans maybe make it up there? It's, yeah, it's the three. It's Asuka, Lacey, and Nia Jax. They're the only three women that made it to the roof. Yeah, that was really weird to me, but Asuka... There's no explanation of what happened to everybody else. Right, that was really weird. I kind of said, on, I'm pretty sure, I was you know, a little intoxicated Friday night, but damn it, I'm pretty sure I said Asuka was going to win the women. That was my guess for the women. But, I mean, I didn't think that... I thought at least everybody was going to make it up there. That was a little weird to me. Yeah. They did a spot where Asuka is about to get the briefcase by. We forgot about this. And Corbin comes oh, up yeah. on the other and side. And he kept yelling at her like, no, that's not the right one. But it's like, no, the white one is is the women's one. He kept yelling at her like, no, that's not the right one. So she all, eventually all just fucking. All he had to do was get, all to reach up and he would have won. Right. So she just knocks him off of the friggin' ladder. And then he he's, he's down. She gets her briefcase. Whatever. That's over. Then... All the men come out, and all the guys are fighting on the roof. Yeah. Let's talk about Corbin fucking killing motherfuckers on a Sunday night. <laughs> Dude, double homicide. He threw Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black seemingly off the roof. Now, AJ Styles Monday night said that he was going to throw somebody off the roof. He didn't do shit. He said he was going to throw away. Right. Yeah. We but got- you did hear one, 
one of the guys that was thrown, there was a thump. It like, was both of them. Like both of them had yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just okay. like, well, this is cinematic as hell. But my point was, I was like, well, they're, they're fucking dead. So I can't wait to see them on Raw tomorrow night. But what ends up happening here in the end of the match is Otis. So Corbin and uh, uh, AJ are at the top of the ladder, fighting over the briefcase. Elias comes in, nails Corbin with, with the guitar. With the gimmick guitar. And then this Corbin the takes the bow off the uh, ladder. AJ gets the briefcase off of it and then fumbles it. And fumbles Otis it. is standing right there and he catches it. So Otis wins this. Now, for what it's worth, they're putting all their money in Otis and they're rolling with it. So fucking great for Otis. You got to feel bad for Tucky, man. <laughs> yeah, he's yet he what hasn't been on in a while. It's been a couple weeks. No, the only thing he did was he uh he got his ass beat by Ziggler. That was the last time we saw him. Yeah, trying to defend Otis. And now Otis is just going on. He's got a girl. He's got the money in the bank. Right. So I like the Oscar one because I, I, we said Friday night on the pod that last year, because of how long the prior years had had gone on, that right away, it, the pay-per-view last year was in June. So in mm-hmm. June, Bailey won it, cashed it in the same night. Brock won yep. it that night, cashed it in the next month at Extreme Rules, and won the belt at Extreme Rules. So there has yeah. not been somebody walking around with a Money in the Bank briefcase for a long time and a while. So I can see Asuka holding it. And what made sense to me was I felt that there was unfinished business with Becky Lynch. So that makes sense to me. And that's kind of why I went with her. The Otis thing is really strange to me because I have no idea what the fuck he's going to do. He said though, the other day that he wants to, if he got the money in the bank, he would want to cash it in on the tag titles for him and Tucker. Ah, I could see them doing that, but that just kind of, Kind of weird, if you ask me. Yeah, it kind of ruins the point, so to speak. But it would make it different. It would make it. It would also, and for what it's worth, make sense because I could at least see that over. I could see Otis being built as a serious character to go after their champion, who right now is Braun Strowman. Even the Raw champion mm-hmm. being Drew McIntyre, Otis is too much of a comedy character to be taken seriously in that situation. But for the tag titles, that's perfectly fine if you ask me. So that kind and of makes more sense. And it still goes his character. Like, he, he gave up an individual title shot for his friend. Like, And that's the Otis like character. Guy, Otis. Yeah. So, we'll see how that is. Unless, the only other thing that I could see, and this is just completely out of the box, I just thought of this, is what if somehow they turn Mandy back heel and she manipulates him to maybe giving the briefcase to her so she can cash it in on the women's championship, even though it's for the men's championship, I'm sure they would turn it some other way, but I could maybe see them using oh, yeah. that to, as yeah, the possibly. breakup between them. Yeah. Who knows? Or That's, really, it's like really, this was Mandy's plan all along to get off the briefcase or something like that. Maybe. Maybe you could, that, that could be yeah. easily it. Maybe they could try and put it on Dolph. Very interesting to see how um, how that unfolds. But that was uh, Money in the Bank uh, 2020. If you don't count the pre-show, this show went all of two hours and 23 minutes. I had very ECW December to Dismember vibes from it. <laughs> but in these challenging times, I, I was very much okay with it. So um, 
Joe, once again, uh, plug plug what you got to plug, sir. Yeah, uh, look for us, Super Smart Brothers. Uh, on we're on Twitter, I think <laughs> we have to probably update our profile, but we're everywhere you can find uh, podcasts, iTunes, all that Google Play, all that fun stuff. Super Smart uh, Brothers. And yeah, continue. Yeah, uh, but yeah, looking forward to coming on more with you guys. I've 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 guested on the Super Smart Brothers several years past, where I filled in for full episodes, and we just went completely off the rails. So it was nice oh, yeah. finally. It goes we, long. <laughs> it was able to return the favor. Hey, my goal is to always keep this under an hour, and we're at uh, about fifty-five minutes right here. So it's time to wrap this up. Perfect. Uh, Joe, thank you uh, for for that. Make sure you check out the Super Smart Brothers at Smart Brothers on the Twitter machine. Of course, follow us at Powerbombs PPN on Twitter. Of course, we're part of the Podcast Potables Network. Uh, tomorrow morning with the, this podcast, you're also going to get a brand new edition of Process Potables with Dan and Steve. Make sure you uh, listen to that. They're, they're recapping episode seven and eight the last dance. of The Last Dance, which is airing tonight. So uh, always new stuff from the Podcast Potables Network. Like us, give us that Meltzer five-star rating and review. And we'll talk <laughs> to you next week on a brand new edition of Power Bombs and Potables. Until then, stay safe and stay over. <laughs>